The following is a podcast from Live It, a ministry of St. Marcus. For more information or for message notes, go to www.liveitmke.org. American. I love being an American. I like the United States. I like living here. And whenever I've traveled someplace else, I've appreciated America more. Even though there's lots of faults and lots of problems, and right now, my friends I have on Facebook and other countries are all saying they're praying for us because they're hearing about our presidential election. And I assured them God is still God over here and we're all going to be fine. But I'd still take living here in America. But I have to admit that I don't often, I guess, think about it or take time or thank my God for just plain celebrate. I'm, I'm so busy and I think Americans, you know, we're just not that patriotic anymore. Again, especially when I compare with some of my friends across the seas. I've been to Zambia twice, and one thing I've noticed about the kids there is they're thinking about their country. I'd ask one of the little guys, "Um, what do you want to be when you grow up? And he said, well, I want to be a soldier. Why? Well, I want to do something for Jesus and for Zambia. When I talk to the scholars at St. Marcus School, they might want to be wonderful things, maybe go into the military, but it's usually not so brave and bold. I want to do it for the United States of America. I don't think we do that enough to take time and just think about it's our country. God has put that authority there. In fact, I have to admit, I think the only time I stop and reflect about my nation would be July 4th, and we do that in worship. And every once in a while, probably the same time that you do that, because I don't have much of a choice, because There's nothing else going on, and they make me take my hat off. When do we do that? At every sporting event. Before a World Series game, they make you stop, and they have this national anthem, Star Spangled Banner, and somebody sings it, and everybody stands up, and you take that time. My wife, who never complains about much, will complain if the game skips over the national anthem on TV. They just don't have time for it, and they skip over it. She says, we got to take that time. As Americans, we need to take that time. And as Christians, of all people, we need to stand up and and show how we love our country, thank our God for that. And maybe, if you're like me, you've noticed that they do indeed cheer after the national anthem is over, but they also cheer before it's over. Have you noticed that there's one particular word that gets everybody kind of excited, and they start to cheer even before it's done because that word is really exciting? Now, I do not sing very well. I, I've not been invited by Salt to ever sing, and Jeff, Jeff Crumbine this morning preferred me to deliver the sermon and Pastor Jeske sing than the other way around. But I'm going to sing for you a little bit tonight to, to get, see if you can come up with the words. And, um, and, uh, and I might sing in a lot of keys. I, I can sing in three keys in the same song. But let's see if he can fill in the word. Oh, say does that star-spangled banner yet wave o'er the land of the... Well, you sing better than I do. Yeah! It's free. And then everyone goes, ah, ooh, cheer. And then you can barely hear, and the home of the brave, right? Oh, we Americans, we love that word free. We're free. Yeah, Freedom. Uh, in fact, my, I have five teenage sons, and they told me that uh, maybe that isn't a good thing that my teenage sons would tell me they learned a pickup line. I don't know what that, uh, but they said, Dad, it's really funny. 
you're supposed to go up to somebody and say, on a scale of zero to America, how free are you tonight? And I said, oh, I, that's, that's reasonable. But that's where America is known for being free. We're about freedom and we brag about it. And we compare ourselves, you know, we talk about ourselves being the leaders of the free world, right? We're all about freedom. Don't tell us that anybody's controlling us. Well, tonight, as we dig into God's word, we're going to see Jesus Christ look at us, not as Americans, but as his children. And he tells us, you are free. You are free. You have freedom for eternity. Freedom from sin, death, and the devil. He's going to take a, a square look at the Jews and us, and he's going to tell us that wonderful gospel message. As he tells us, he also is going to speak to that Jewish nation that thought they were free already. Even though they were very visibly slaves and had been slaves in the past, it doesn't quite make a lot of sense, but he's going to try to teach them and teach us. Tonight we're going to dig into John chapter 8 and see that, and we're also at the same time going to celebrate the Reformation. Classic picture of Martin Luther, and whether you grew up Lutheran, ever were Lutheran, have any idea what that means, you're hopefully going to get a taste at this battle to realize we're free and hang on to this truth that we're free has is, is always been around. And we're going to thank God for people like Martin Luther in the past that made sure we still have that gospel message. And we're going to look at ourselves today and say we need to constantly be in reformation because, because we can lose that teaching of our God as well and go back to the captivity of work righteousness or trying to do it by ourselves or being captivated by a church. Now, I'm going to invite you to open your Bibles now to John chapter 8, or you can use the insert that you can find, or you can use your phone or whatever you want to, to take a look at John chapter 8. Before verse 31, if you check, take a look at it or read it later tonight, you'll see Jesus is talking to a large crowd of Jews. He's instructing them very clearly about what the truth is, that he's the Messiah, that he's going to die for the sins of the world, like promised in the past. Now, Jesus had come in and started his ministry and kind of got known. And then he began to get popular. Kind of like a presidential candidate. People just kind of hear a name, see a picture, hear a couple things. And maybe at first, they maybe give that candidate the benefit of the doubt and think, ah, there's my guy. There's my candidate. I think I'm with that person. And they got all excited. And with Jesus, they were all excited about him in that second year. But then when Jesus did speeches like this and he let his policies be known, he let it be known he wasn't a Messiah for this world. He wasn't the Messiah maybe they wanted. He was very clear, unlike a presidential candidate, maybe you know presidential candidates rarely want to be very clear on their policies because then you might hear one and disagree and vote for the other person. So they're kind of vague or they're known for telling different audiences different things. Jesus wasn't that way. He was absolutely, totally clear on his mission. And when people heard it, their sinful nature rebelled and they didn't like it. And at this point in Jesus' ministry, he's, his popularity is waning. He's getting pushback. He's having people reject him and fight back. And we're going to see this. And Jesus is going to try to help the smaller group that was believing in him hang on to the truth that he had been giving them. So let's take a look at what Jesus tells them. He says, it says, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. 
There was a large crowd around that day, and it seems like Jesus just picked out one group, the audience that had believed in him, that was following the word, when now the majority were kind of pushing against it, and he wanted to give them a special warning and encouragement. And he says, hold on to my teaching. That'll make you really my disciples. You need to hold on to it. Don't let these other people pull you away. Don't let your sinful nature mislead you. Hold on to my teaching. I've been teaching you of the Messiah. I'm paying for your sins. God loves you through me. But it would be so easy for them to let that truth slip away. Not because the truth was bad. The truth was solid and real, but because their hearts, like our hearts, are, are so slippery. And, and we let things just slip through our hands. It's our sinful nature. I know we're in an urban ministry here, uh, but maybe some of you were like me and grew up kind of rural. Um, and so when I was a kid and I went to the county fair, one of the things I loved to see was the grease pig chase. Anybody ever seen one of those? Anybody? No, a couple of you. There we go. It's, it's really kind of fun. And maybe that's not pop. It's kind of, it sounds like animal cruelty, but it seems like the pig had a good time too. It's just fun. You get a bunch of 10-year-olds and you'd put them in a fenced-in spot and then you'd find this kind of young pig and you'd, he'd be covered with slippery grease and then you'd let the pig go and run around. And the, the kids would chase the pig and try to catch him. They didn't have to just touch him to win the prize. But they had to catch the pig and then hang on to that pig for like 10 seconds. And you'd see the first person grab, and the pig would, and it would slide out and slip out. And that picture is kind of the way the truth seems in our arms. It's not because the truth is slippery, but because our hands are so weak and slippery and we're so bad at hanging on. Our hearts don't want the truth. We reject the truth. And we can see that back in Jesus' day throughout history till today. The Jews in Jesus' day, they, they, it was God's church. God had set them up. He had invented that church. It wasn't any man-made thing at all. He had set up the priesthood. He had given them the word. He had designed all the sacrifices as perfect teaching tools to get them ready for Jesus. They had the truth better than anyone given to them. They had it. But it slipped right out of their sinful, slippery hands and heart. By the time Jesus showed up, the Pharisees that were teaching all the people weren't teaching them the truth that Jesus had just declared that he was the Messiah to pay for their sins. They were all about the rules and obeying laws and following the church and getting in line and listening to them. It was all about the institution. We're Pharisees. Follow us. Obey, obey, obey. And then maybe you'll be as good as us. Then you'll really be disciples if you obey us. The truth had slipped out of their hands. The Sadducees, the high priest of Jesus' day, didn't even believe in life after death. They didn't even believe in life after death. It slipped right through their hands. Even though God's word was as clear as could be, and they had God's word in the Old Testament. Wow. Throughout history, the truth slips right through people's hands because of their sinful nature. We creep up, you know, a bunch of years later to the time of Luther, the church, the Christian church, the visible Christian church that you could find, for the most part didn't proclaim that the way to heaven was through what Jesus Christ has done 100%. You get to go to heaven for free. No, they bound people up and said, no, the way you get to heaven is by listening to the church. The church is the broker. You need to obey. The forgiveness of sins, well, Jesus started it for you, but 
you want it, you have to do some penance. You have to pay some cash. You have to do something. They didn't proclaim you were saved by grace alone. Not for the most part. The gospel was still there, but the truth had kind of slipped away. They lost it. Still today, that's what our hearts want to do. If any of us believe any of this stuff, it's a miracle of the Holy Spirit. Our hands and hearts are just as slippery by nature. And it's real easy to find Christians and Christian churches today that say we're following Jesus, but some of the truths of the Bible, like that the Bible's really inspired or that God has given us his wisdom on sex and marriage or that God made the world in six days, that's all slipped through. And worst of all, they lose those parts of the truth and they ultimately lose the whole truth, the truth that Jesus is talking about, that Jesus Christ died on the cross to give us salvation, to make us free, free from sin, death, and the devil. We thank the Holy Spirit today that we have this message, that we are free because of Jesus. We have this truth, we know this truth, and we thank God that throughout the years, God always used some people to keep the truth there so we have it. And our job is to hold on tight to it to hold to that truth and pass it on to our kids and our grandkids and to the neighborhood and the community because it so easily disappears. We can't take it for granted. We have to intentionally hang on tight to the truth. And then Jesus says, when you know it, when you experience it, and he's not talking about head knowledge, but when it's who you are, that sets you free. You're free from sin, death, and the devil. Sin, death, and the devil don't hold you anymore. Now that last phrase there where Jesus says, the truth will set you free. You can, you can Google that and find lots of expressions and you can find posters of that real well-known phrase, but so often, and watch this, it's misquoted. It usually often refers to that if you know the facts, you have a great education, that gives you freedom to do whatever you want in this life. That's not what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about the truth, that he's paid for your sins 100%, and that's what gives you true freedom. So tonight, I'm here to proclaim in the name of Jesus, you are free. Isn't that great? What a gospel proclamation. Simple words. And I see some smiles out there. But on this day that Jesus told them, you are free, there were a bunch of people that were not happy to hear that. Verse 33, they answered him, probably the, the Jews that didn't believe in him, they answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? So Jesus was talking to his, his people and then it sounds like these other people said, hey, that's a bunch of garbage. We're Abraham's descendants here. What are you talking about? They were upset because of the implication when Jesus said, you will be free indeed. I'm going to set you free. Because that implied that they weren't free by themselves. They weren't free already without him. It would kind of be like if after church I, I found a couple of you and said, hey, come over here. I got this special makeup. I bought this makeup for you. And, and, and if you use it, you're going to look tolerable. <laughs> now, if you thought you were an a hideous, ugly person, you might say, hey, Pastor Steinberg, yeah, I'll take two, man. I'll take two. But you might be insulted instead and say, what, what do you mean? I mean, I mean, look at, look at this. 
You know, I mean, this is the Donis going on here. I mean, this is pretty awesome. What are you giving me makeup for? Have you seen, have you seen those people over there? They need it. Go, go give that to them. They need it. No, I'm not pointing at you guys. They're over here. I'm just generic. <laughs> they need it. That's what the Jews were saying. What are you telling us? We, we don't need your help. We don't need, we don't, we're not slaves. Kind of ironic, I think. I mean, the Jews were pretty famous for being slaves all the time. In their own Bible history, they were famous for being slaves to Egypt. They were slaves in captivity to the Babylonians. And right here as they were talking, they could probably see some Roman soldiers garrisoned around, making sure that everyone knew they weren't free. But I, I don't think the Jews were necessarily bragging on their physical, political freedom so much. Because they're talking about being Abraham's descendants. They're saying, no, we're special people. This is our defense. We, we have these people who physically oppress us, but we're always free. We're awesome people. We're Abraham's descendants. You can't set us free. We're already free. Jesus doesn't let them know they need him. They need him. They thought they were already free. Still today, a lot of people will distract themselves, and they don't realize that they're slaves. Jesus let these Jews and he lets us know that yes, by nature, we are slaves. We're slaves. We need to be freed by Jesus. Jesus replied, very truly, which is like amen, amen in, in the Hebrew, very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free Indeed. Jesus says, no, the slavery I'm talking about is real and it fits you. It doesn't matter that you're Abraham's descendants. I, I can prove to you, he says, if you sin, you're a slave to sin. You can't escape it. The Bible says you're sinful. They should have known that. But even by experience, we can see that we're sinful. All people have a conscience that tells them that God expects them to be good and they're not as good as they're supposed to be. And a way that you can tell if you're free is to see if you can escape it, right? Before I came to St. Marcus, I used to do a lot of jail ministry. And I, when I'd go into the room for the Bible study, it felt just like a normal Bible study. We all felt and seemed free because we're all sitting around the table and we're all just talking, opening Bibles. But when it was all over, we all know who was free and who wasn't. Because I could get up and I could walk right out. And they'd buzz me out and everybody else got escorted back to their spots. Only one time did I discover I wasn't free. Without thinking in the fall, I wore a bright orange shirt. And when I tried to walk out, they wouldn't buzz the door for me. They had to come down and double check and then they let me go. I lost about 15 minutes and I never wore that shirt again into jail. But I learned how they feel when they just can't do what they want. They don't have true freedom. You can't do what makes your heart real happy. In the same way, the Pharisees and the Jews, and you and I can tell that we are slaves to sin because we can't escape. And I, I give you that challenge. Wake up tomorrow and say, today, I'm going to be free from sin by myself. And then try to not have an evil thought. Try to be content and generous and loving all day long. Ask your, your spouse or a friend to watch you and see if they can catch you committing a sin. And they can. And you'll soon feel, oh, I got a shackle on my hand. I got, 
I foot shackled. I have a chain around my waist. You can't escape it. The same way you can't escape death. You can kind of pretend you're not going to die. It's easier when you're younger. It's easier when your body's feeling good. But you realize every day you're a day closer. You're falling into the pit of death. You can't escape it. The devil has you. We are slaves to sin, death, and the devil. And Jesus is offering this perfect solution. The Son will set you free. If you're a slave, you can kind of hang around and, and it looks like you're okay for a while, but you're still a slave. But the Son, he can really say, you are free. And Jesus is saying, I'm going to do this for you. But they weren't ready. They weren't willing to admit. The beginning step of following Jesus is saying, yeah, I am a slave to sin. I am helpless. I need someone to help me. I need Jesus to help me. Today we still have the same sin around and people come up with different solutions than Jesus. In Jesus' day, they said, we're Abraham's descendants. We're just special people. Kind of lived, loved up the church. Their obedient outward acts. In Martin Luther's day, they would do things like that too, would try obedience. Luther tried for a while to hurt, help himself with that hurting conscience by whipping himself or diving into the monastery and working really hard. But he never got that peace. He never got that freedom. Today people have that same feeling by natural, by nature. I don't think they try whipping themselves very much anymore or being really churchy people. I think it's more common that people just try to like distract themselves. They don't want to think about their sin and their death. They just keep real busy at work or with media or whatever it might be. I don't have any time to think about it because I'm always doing this and doing that and thinking this. They're always on. They're never unplugged and having a chance to think about it. Still today, we have to watch out that we fall away from this message that Jesus Christ has given us that we're free. We are free indeed by what he's done. We fall for Satan's lies that we're not free. Now, some of you may know uh, that I used to have this cute little white fluffy dog named Popcorn. Um, he used to live with me in the yellow house across the street. And just a cute little dog. But he would be a dog that would wander. So we couldn't let him be free. We set up this little you know, electric fence and we put a little collar on him. And when he would get close to the edge, the sound would go off. And if he went a little further, <clears throat> he'd get a little shock. And he discovered he needed to be here and he knew he was captive. He was captive to the Steinberg family, and he liked it, and he loved it. It was good for him. Now, every once in a while, his battery would go dead. And we'd know that. We could see the light flashing, but he wouldn't know that. And he wouldn't realize that he was free. He acted like he was captive. He stayed in bounds, maybe for a month. But then suddenly, something would happen. Like, he'd see a squirrel, and he'd run across the line, and then he'd suddenly realize... <laughs> and then it was blown the cover was blown and he realized he was free and he went and enjoyed his freedom finding the dumpster in the back or whatever you and I have been set free by Jesus Christ we are absolutely totally free and Satan wants you to think you're still bound up and caught by sin, death and the devil he lies to you Coming here, hearing the gospel, reading the gospel reminds you again, you are free to serve the Lord, free from sin, death, and the devil. This wonderful message that you have, let nobody take it from you. Don't let it slip out of your hands. And just like I told you, I need to take more time to celebrate America, maybe focus on the national anthem. 
I do need to take more time to celebrate and rejoice in the Reformation, to be proud to be Lutheran, to be so excited that our church is called St. Marcus Lutheran Evangelical Church. That name is awesome. The heritage it has and the people that fought and gave their lives and hung on to the gospel, something that St. Marcus wants to do just as tightly and pass it on. And that's why with uh, Luther's uh, Lutheran anthem, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, it, it really starts that same way. I'm going to sing a little bit more um, for you and see if you can finish. I don't sing the national anthem very well and I don't sing A Mighty Fortress without an organ helping me very well. But see if you know the words. A mighty fortress is our God, a trusty shield and weapon. He helps us. Oh, you guys are good. He helps us free from every need. That's the message of the Reformation. Our sinful nature, people trying to get us, Satan trying to get us, they don't have us. You are free. Now Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, saying it, that would be He's probably speaking Aramaic, would be amen, you know, and uh, so I want to ask you, if you believe you're free, let me hear you say amen.